Hello, I'm Ray Reich, founder and CEO of RevOps Squared and host of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. We talk to a wide variety of B2B SaaS industry thought leaders, executives, and people just like you to discuss what metrics, KPIs, and benchmarks they use to enable better data-driven metrics-informed decisions that accelerate revenue performance and increase enterprise value. Now, on to today's show. Welcome to today's episode of the Metrics That Measure Up podcast. Today, we are joined by David Appel, Head of Subscription and SaaS at Sage Intact. We are extremely fortunate to have David join us as he brings a wide range of insights and expertise across his operating roles at financial SaaS leaders, including NetSuite and Sage Intact. Today, we will be covering three main areas. What are the largest obstacles that SaaS finance leaders are facing in planning for 2021? What are the metrics that matter and that SaaS CFOs are tracking today? And best practices that Sage Intech customers have deployed to make better strategic data-driven metrics-informed decisions. David, welcome to the Metrics at Measure Up podcast, and please take a moment to introduce yourself to our audience. Well, I'm great to be here. Thank you for having me, Ray, and with that, with that flowery background, I appreciate what, what that means for all of you is I can simply tell you all the things not to do because I've sure made my share of mistakes. Between Oracle, IBM Global Services, NetSuite, and uh, Sage Intact, myself and my organizations have been part of over 1,500 financials and ERP implementations, and you sure learn a lot from going through that. And so many people have paid it forward to me in my career. It's my pleasure to kind of take what I've learned and hopefully have it help all of you in any which way I can. Thanks for having me, Ray. You know, when I first met you and I looked at your background, I saw what a deep and broad area of expertise you have in this kind of subscription-based business model. But 2020 has changed a lot of things, especially the last six months since the pandemic hit. David, have you seen any new financial or metric trends emerge over the last six months that's going to impact how CFOs and COs plan for 2021? Well, I think what this has done, and many of you probably experienced this, it's really refined and focused our thinking. People have always been concerned about cash flow, always been concerned about churn, always been concerned about what is the why of your company. Is everybody rowing the boat the same way? And with how tight things have gotten, uh, you can't afford a lot of uh, political flim-flam and infighting. You have to be really focused on what it is you're going to do and how you're going to go about doing it and uh, having everybody, again, go after that same thing and set aside personal differences and really have the metrics you go. This forces all of us and all of you as finance leaders on how do you produce the metrics that are going to come out of that? Ray's going to get into it. Back to growth and cash flow expectations changing over time. Over here is what people expected growth to be 39% and then down to 20%. And free cash flow margin for was uh, people still anticipated 12%, still managing at 12%. But underneath that, or I should say minus 12%, be clear. But underneath that is how you're going about doing that. In fact, it's interesting, David, we um, 
surveyed about 2,000 B2B SaaS companies in first half. And we saw very similar results where ARR growth was about 50% lower than what was planned for the first half of the year. Um, KeyBank, which is so well-respected and really the father of KPI benchmarking for the SaaS industry has 7%. Our data showed 9%, but that's just based upon the mix of participants. But one of the things we saw, David, was one of the financial metrics that really took a hit was DSO, day sales outstanding, where you have most SaaS companies kind of looking at that 30 to 42 days. We saw a majority, over 50%, were seeing DSO had increased to 45 to 60 days. Have you seen a similar phenomenon going on with your client base? Well, it depends on the market and who they sell to. And so because it's, it's ultimately, you've got to think about your customer's customer. And so in some, it's spread out. If people have been uh, selling, let's just pick on a particularly hard hit market, they all might be living through is hospitality. Our travel expense for intact is down significantly. Almost all of our customers is down. So that market's getting hit. And so they're stretching out payment terms. But um, what I see is a lot of companies, and that's great data that you have there, uh, Ray, that's one of the, the specialties of RevOps squared is how you're collecting that data real time and not just one-time surveys in order to produce that for everybody. But back to how COVID's changing everybody is it's refined and people are really focused on what is the cash flow process and how am I gonna automate that? Cause it's like everything, there's people process and technology. So, how am I incenting the staff to tighten in DSO? How am I automating how the order's coming in and the invoice is going out in my dunning process in order to put in there? And then what technology can I put in that'll automate that process for me and produce the metrics so I can tighten up and measure, find where my anomalies are, and then engage through personal connection with where I've got big DSO problems to you know potentially work through things out person to person. Yes. Let me kind of dig into something you just said, because, you know, people process technology. So if you look at three or four high level benchmarks that we've found over the last nine months, once again, new AR is down by over 50% against plan. The cost of gaining each new dollar of ARR often measured as CAC ratio or the inverse of that CAC payback period is up about 25%. And expansion, both gross dollar and net dollar expansion, down a little bit, but not so much. Net dollar expansion is only down 3% year over year. So based upon the trends we have seen, do you find that CFOs and SaaS finance leaders, are there any common themes that they're implementing to try to address the macroeconomic environment they're facing? All of us were finance leaders, right? And so we want hard data we can measure and so what's the data you can measure is churn and DSO that you just laid out. But it's putting this information in place to get that is key. We could get into that and apologize for the puppy in the background. I should have put the bark collar on her before we did the, uh, <laughs> before we did this, Ray. Um, it adds humanity but, to these work from home Zoom videos. <laughs> And so, again, there's so much it depends that goes into this based upon your model, and what your billing cycle is, on what you're tracking with. You know, let's just primarily focus on churn and DSO as an indicator on customer health. What I really see great finance leaders doing, some of you might be doing this. If you're not, I strongly suggest you do this, is you get that information out to everybody as soon as possible because that then tells customer success where to focus. 
those issues and where people are having issues with the product. And so they might not be as successful as they and you might hope. And so they're more on the risk for bubble for churn becomes more clear. And that tells you where to refine product roadmap. And then what segments of the market of your customer base are doing well, that's data to double down your marketing spend there and keep going after that portion of the market. Because unfortunately, some of the other portions of your TAM might be suffering more right now and you got to be human and help them through that. But why put more marketing dollars into that portion of the market right now if they're not going to be able to spend? And so the data you produce on those metrics against some of the, the numbers you just laid out, Ray, are very important. Our job is to tell the story about what the data says so that the rest of our peers and the executive team can act upon it to get the business through this time that we're going through right now and frankly, come out on top. We call it the accelerate through the curve, the way that a race car, the top-notch race car drivers go hard at the turn, lighten up a little bit as they hit the apex, and then just hammer coming out of the backside to keep their velocity up. How do we tell the story so you can do that? You know, you brought up the kind of helping the operating team make their decisions and then to move forward aggressively using the race car metaphor. I had Byron Dieter on the Metrics and Measurement podcast a couple of weeks ago, and he talked about the six C's of cloud finance. And I know that you also are a disciple of the six C's of finance. So two questions. One is, how important do you think those six C's of cloud finance are for CFOs and CEOs to track? But then secondarily, how do operating executives, such as the head of marketing or head of sales, how do they align their departmental objectives to those company level six C's of cloud finance? We're very fortunate. Byron was one of the early investors in Intact and guided us quite a bit, not only in how to run the business, but what to build in the product. And so our product very much emulates how Bessemer is one of the world's top SaaS investors wants their companies to run. And so the end game is back to automating those processes in order to produce this data to your question on what the sales leaders do. Because as a quick recap for everybody, there's committed annual recurring revenue, there's CAC payback, there's the ratio of customer lifetime value divided by customer acquisition costs, there's your churn, there's your cash flow, and then there's a new number we'll talk about later called the cash conservation score. And again, finance is the system of truth for the company. That's extremely important. People try their best to put in CRM systems, but they're not audited. So they're never completely accurate, however well-intentioned people are. Finance is audited and has to be the system of truth. And that makes us so important on producing the data in order to put it out there for the revenue team to be able to understand both on the marketing and the sales side. Because that old adage, if you inspect everything, then nothing's important. So what are the core metrics you're going to do? And you should tie these back to your billing models. And many of you are experienced and you're probably already living through this. So let me be very brief. You're already doing it. But high velocity models you want to pay attention to churn, for instance, to see how you're doing on the base. High ACB models, you want to understand what's going into your customer lifetime value divided by your customer acquisition costs in order to make sure that the cost of winning those large deals retain and, and uh, maximize and start driving profit out as soon as possible. And David, this, you know, the six C's, it is really valuable. One of the things that we tell all of our customers and the reason we created the KPI benchmarking index is you also want to be able to measure your metrics performance against similar companies on a cohort basis. 
As an example, you have CAC payback period, which it says best is less than 12 months, better is 12 to 24 months, and good is 24 months. Well, it also is dependent upon your ACV and your customer acquisition model. If your ACV is $1,000, your CAC payback period better be in the four to eight. <laughs> right? But if your ACV yes, it should. <laughs> If your ACV is 250,000, you're going to be okay with a 24 to even 36 month payback period if your gross dollar retention is 90 to 94%. So in any of these metrics, it's not a single metric that you need to focus on. You need to step back, take that holistic view and look at the correlation and interdependencies of all these metrics. Would you agree with that, David? Absolutely. There's a lot of context that needs to go to the nuance of your model when you compare yourself against these benchmarks, and that's where great cohort analysis comes in. I want to keep stressing, though, that creating this information is the paramount job of the finance team and the organization that you wind up building underneath you because everyone's looking to you. Your accountability and success in the job is creating this, and then to do that, then you have the context upon which to tell them what you just laid out, Ray. Yeah. Let me ask you a question, and I have a discussion with every client. So CAC payback period, that really takes the total amount of sales and marketing expenses to acquire a new customer, and they divide it by the amount of new ARR on a gross margin adjusted basis. Mm -hmm. so that is CAC payback period. It's something that the CFO and CEO will present at every board meeting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Now, the head of sales and head of marketing and head of customer success, if they have expansion AR capability, their expenses and their efficiency plus effectiveness directly impact CAC ratio and thus CAC payback period. But less than 50% of the time, do I see all three of those or even two of those share the CAC ratio goal? Do you think that's a miss and that's a good alignment strategy to have the head of each go-to-market team co-own the CAC payback or CAC ratios? Yes, it's the short answer. Why do you think more than 50% of the time, all three of those heads of the go-to-market revenue generating functions don't co-own that KPI? Well, it's a classic two issues that probably most of you have dealt with, if not at your current company or past companies. It's first off, every good executive wants to control the measures that they have and frankly, to put themselves in the best light. And so if they've got an individual goal, they're going to manipulate the data to put themselves in the best presentation that they've got. And that's the job of the CEO and all of you as the CFO to avoid that from happening by being clear and taking the time to define what success looks like. The second issue is the data is simply not there. And this is something I spend a lot of time when I'm an executive sponsor in one of our implementations or riding along and just helping out in any given project is how refined can you get every order that comes in, every upsell that comes in, every expense that comes in and get all the dimensions tagged on that journal entry so that when you want to do your backwards looking reporting and your forwards looking forecasting scenario planning, the data is in there in order to slice up the cohort in order to attribute the data back to that in order to get the consistent measure that you put out to everybody. And so it's generally those two reasons, right? Thank you. Well, it's unique having you here because not only you're an industry expert, you're a general manager. I'm sure you own P&L responsibility for your business group, correct? Correct. So let me ask 
Are there particular KPIs that you use to evaluate the health of your group? And is there any advice you'd share to our listeners of which ones are most predictive and helpful to you? Well, we're a public company, so I need to be mindful of the answer here, but I'm going to keep something simple. And many of you are customers of ours. Thank you very much for that. Or we're in talks with, and we very much value and humbled at the opportunity to earn your business. And so our simple model is like it's a classic land and expand where people want to put in a core financial package. And then over time, add more functionality that comes on top of that. So might put in us with say accounts payable and accounts receivable. You got a subscription model. So you put in the subscription and revenue recognition and you put that in. And that's great because that's what you need as you move, for instance, classic move from series A to series B and you want to prove out the net recurring revenue model. Over time, then you want to add more entities. You expand to Europe and Asia. So you got multiple entities. You want to do future forecast planning. So you want to do put an FP&A tool in, and we provide all that. And so we spend a lot of time tracking what is the initial committed annual reoccurring revenue, and then the upsell that comes across that, because our customers only buy more from us if they're happy. And so that tells us both profitability on a client basis, but then it also explains to us what is, amongst many other measures, we have an NPS and otherwise what is the health of uh, the customer base, and then both thank the customers that are growing with us and try to find out why and to do more of that, but then also hone in on the ones that aren't and get underneath the issues. Is it functionality? Is it implementation? Is it they don't have the arms and legs of their staffing in order to get there? And then try to find a way to get them to what their goal originally was at the outset. So that's in a nutshell how our customer journey unfolds and thus what measures we use to track and how we act upon them, right? Now, you provided some insights there that reminded me of a podcast I did a couple of weeks ago with William Cordes, who's the founder of KPI Sense. Mm-hmm. And they basically mm-hmm. provide financial services on demand capacity for B2B SaaS companies. And one of the things he said is the biggest challenge for his sub 5 million ARR customers is number one, to make sure there's the right data structure and framework put in place, Uh capturing the right metrics so they can make better decisions. But he said something else I'd love to get your input on. And I love your frameworks. It's a great thing to talk about. But he also said for sub 5 million ARR businesses, there's no good integrated ERP or financial system that most of his customers use QuickBooks and it just requires a lot of manual effort. So two questions. Framework, how important is that in a sub 5 million AR company? And do you agree that there's not good solutions for sub 5 million AR companies to have an integrated data structure and financial planning capability? Yes and no. God, let's tackle this. I want to use a, a metaphor. I love music. I love live music. And uh, I watched Jimmy Buffett do the induction for the Eagles to the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And Jim, he said the most hilarious thing that I thought was hilarious. He said, creativity is simply undiscovered plagiarism. (laughs) That really stuck with me. And I share that because I've now interviewed 135 of our customers. And some of you, again, thank you for spending that time with us and with me. And a pattern emerged and it drills into right into what the gentleman from KPI Sense had to say to you. And this is pattern off Maslow's hierarchy of needs, how this builds, it starts at the bottom and works its way up, which is whatever your order entry system is, 
If you can get that synced up with your financial system so that the customer master and the order master and the item master, pardon me, comes across, then as the item comes in, the order comes in, you can immediately kick off the billing and the revenue rules against what you wanted. And that gives you time to create creative billing ideas in order to best capture the value you bring and best differentiate from your competition and pricing. Because you put that infrastructure in place, you can then put in revenue in order to track what's happening to deferred revenue across both the customer lifetime and the expenses that you've got. And that's so critical to your fundraising, improving your model out. And then you put in all that infrastructure in place across with APIs that tie into any other systems that you have in those early days. And then all the cohort data and the dimensional data we talked about before, that produces the dashboards to look backwards and then have that all fuel your FP&A model going forward. In those early days, that's all the first question on the pattern, right? And the second question on having the right price point in order to manage all this in, there's in some respects, until you get to a trigger point on a certain number of invoices or a certain number of upsells that you're trying to do, it's possible. And I frankly see most firms do it in those simple ways of QuickBooks and Excel, because you're trying to solve other problems. And if you only got a dollar to spend, where are you going to put it? And in those early days, you should put it into the product and into building your brand and the marketing strategy before you invest in the back office. But when you hit those triggers and you know you will, or if you've got a great board or great advisor telling you they're going to tell you hopefully six months or a year ahead of time when you're going to hit those triggers, then that's when you put in a system such as this in order to scale up and go deeper on that. What the triggers are depend on what your model is. And I'm very happy to talk individually with anybody who wants to talk about that because I've been through so many of these. It's so hard to list them all off in a brief podcast that Ray and I are doing right now. But that's how your peers over time from the pattern we found have thought about making that decision. Yeah, that's really good advice because everything is both stage appropriate but we've even defined a KPI maturity model where you want to identify those top three to four KPIs early on that are telling you, do you have product market fit? Are you at the point of some repeatability? So if you invest a dollar more of sales and marketing costs, you can somewhat predictably know you're going to get X cents of ARR back. However, we think having that infrastructure in place and the mentality that the data will drive my investment decisions is not only good for operational efficiency, but when investors come in for a series B or series C, one of the fundamental decisions they're making is if I invest $10 million, how much ARR do I think that's going to drive over the next two, three, four years? And is the enterprise value going to increase to a point where I'm going to be the lead investor in the next round? So don't think of KPI infrastructures, data structures, and your internal infrastructure as too early. Think about it's preparing you to scale for that next round of financing or that next level of enterprise value. It's absolutely true. And each stage of growth that you have, do you want to both nail that stage and what you just laid out, Ray, prepare yourself for what you need at the next stage? This is overly simplistic just to make a point. Ray, what you laid out and the data that you guys provide and the benchmarking and technographics that you've built take all this to the next level. But in this classic move and the question you asked, just the gentleman from KPI since under 5 million is when you're really trying to do is prove out your revenue model, which the reps that you have get 75% of them meeting quota. The old measure pre-COVID was just show triple digits growth. 
that's somewhat variable right now. And so you're really focusing on the quote to cash process and putting that in and having that data then inform the rest of the model that you got tracking your unit economics. And then putting yourself in a spot as you prepare for what comes next, which is you now want to prove your net expansion revenue model, which you can get people to buy from you a second or third time. And then paying attention to what was the original contract that you sold and the terms and the performance obligations you had, because we pay attention to that as finance leaders. And then look at how much CMMR you're getting per customer. This is some core information to get there. And back to my earlier point, under 5 million, it depends, whatever, if you're high ACV, you got 10 customers, you can do that in Excel, but you start getting bigger. The contracts get more complicated and procurement starts pushing you around more. Those are some sample triggers, but when to start thinking proactively to get there, because as Ray said, and I'll finish up on this, your data foundation that you put, as a mentor of mine once said, the better the foundation you build, the higher you can build. And so being mindful of what's coming next and putting that into both your process and technology that you put underneath that is what really allows for scale to come through. And if you screw up along the way, that's fine. There's ways to recover, but there is a golden path to follow. Yeah, it's funny. When you said that, I had a picture of the Salesforce tower in my mind, which is the higher you're going to build your business or a building, the deeper you need to drill your foundational pillars. Mm -hmm. And that's mm -hmm. one of the keys for how you're building out your data structures and your KPI and metrics infrastructure. David, I'm going to wrap up today with one final question. And that is for those aspiring SaaS founders, CEOs, or even first-time CFOs, any last words of advice you could provide to them as they begin their journey? Well, keep having fun, right? You get such tremendous highs and lows and what you're going through and trying to build a business and pivot as the competition moves and as the world changes around on this. Don't forget why you got into this to begin with. And there's some sense of self-respect and self-satisfaction and trying to make a bigger impact in the world than just pushing paper around. And then focus, you know, in my own life too, you can get spread thin and spread across many obligations and responsibilities and things that are important to you. And that's why I started with the very first point that I made right now. This is really about who is your best customer? Why are they buying from you? What are you going to continue to bring to them in the value in the product? And how are you orienting your executive team to think about doing that and the measures and what you're incenting and then what you're publicly reprimanding to accomplish that? Because if you've got your finger on the pulse of your customer and then you're enabling the culture in order to do that with the measures so they know where they stand so that so many executive meetings I've been in, it's who pounds the desk the loudest, who's got the best political infighting is what gets stuff done. And God, that's no longer the way of doing things now. Now it's data. And I'll finish up with this great quote I heard from Steve Jobs once. Somebody asked him about, in looking back on building great companies, what would he do? And he said, you know what, looking back on, I realized it's not hierarchies that run companies, rather it's ideas that run companies. And that really stuck with me. So remember the idea that's running your company. Great, David, I can't add anything to that other than have fun and have great ideas that become your North Star. Thank you so much for being our guest today on the Metrics That Made You Up podcast, David. My pleasure, thank you. Wish everybody great luck. Ray, you're building a great business. Thank you for including us in it. Thank you for listening to today's Metrics to Measure Up podcast. If you would like to learn more about B2B SaaS metrics and benchmarks, please visit revopsquared.com.